0: people said? Amen Amen and amen. And truly there is nothing better than our God. Amen. I've flat given up on knowing what I'm going to preach on Saturday. I tell you what, Reagan Page was over yesterday to pick up little T.L., brought little Taya in, and she sat down on the end of the couch, and they was playing, and she looked over, and little bubbly Reagan said, So what are you preaching tomorrow? I said, I'm preaching when we pray, God listens. I'm preaching when we listen, God speaks. And I'm preaching when we believe, God works. Reagan said, I bet it'll preach. I said, I hope so. So I went off to bed. With that outline in my head. That sounds like a poem, don't it? I woke up and I looked at that clock through one eye and it was 1.33. Or I'm sorry, one forty. But while I was awake at one forty, I began to think of scriptures that fit with When we pray, God listens. When we listen, God speaks. And when we believe God works. I don't know what time it was when I fell off back to sleep, but my other eye opened and it was two thirty three. And I began to think of scriptures, illustrations that would fit along with When we pray, God listens. When we listen, God speaks. And when we believe, God works. I quit keeping track of the times, but I rolled over several times through the night. Do any of you guys do that? When you're rolling over, do you ever think about what you're going to preach? So I got up. I couldn't wait for morning. I'd turned over so many times in that bed. I got in there and I began to look scriptures up and I began to write with that pencil all the things. And all of a sudden, about ten till six, the Lord said, that's not the message. I just wanted to cry. And He gave me a message I preached a couple of years ago and the argument began. I said, Lord, I've done preach that message. And he simply encouraged me by letting me know if it was worth preaching once, it's worth preaching again. And then I said again, but I've already preached that message, Lord. And then he discouraged me by saying, they don't remember what you preached last week. So go ahead and preach it again. Isn't it something how the Lord can encourage us one minute and discourage us the next? But with that being said, I went ahead and said, I'm going to preach that message. It's in 2 Timothy. It's in chapter 3. I'm going to read four verses, and then I'm going to read the fifth verse, and that's really where it's coming out of. But I want you to sit and soak and listen to the first four verses And I bet you most of us would kind of be like Isaiah was in Isaiah chapter 5. When I read the first four verses, it's woe is them, woe is them, woe is them, woe is them. See, it says, but but know this, that in the last day perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasures rather than Lovers of God. Four verses. And he said, but know this, in the last day perilous times will come. All of those things that I just read would give you great opportunity when somebody makes a comment like, I don't know what this world's coming to. You can simply say, according to 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 4, we know who's soon to come to this world. But then we say, woe was them because of all this pride and all of this evil and all of this disobedience and all this loving of pleasure rather than loving of God. And we can simply say to all them out there, woe was them. But then watch what he says in verse 5. It says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Now all of a sudden, it seems like we'll turn woe with them, but then we have a form of godliness, but we deny its power. How are you doing with the power of God in your life? Seems like to me all of a sudden it turned from woe is them as woe is me. Am I really letting the power of God be unleashed in my life? Can you think with me for a second? This was wrote from the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to a young man that had a little bit of battle with being timid had a little bit of a battle because he was young. And Paul was trying to tell this young Timothy, his son in the faith, God did not give you a spirit of fear, but He gave you one of power and love and of a sound mind. I want you to look up here and I want you to listen to me. Paul was trying to get across to Timothy what the songwriter sings. And that song, the words of it says, "...the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, the same power that causes the dead to awake, lives in us, lives in us." the same power that moves mountains when He speaks, the same power that calms the raging sea lives in us, lives in us. He lives in us. Paul spent a lot of his time trying to get Timothy to understand the power of God. And he's telling them there's a lot of people sitting in your midst. They have a form of it, of godliness, but they deny its power. So the sermon title today comes by way of question. Are you? That's personal. That means draw the circle. Don't worry about the person to your right, the person to your left, in front of, behind you because the question's personal and the title today is, are you, that's personal, denying the power of God in your life? Are you denying the power of God in your life? Here we go. I think the sermon will let you answer that question. Don't answer it too quick. The sermon will help you answer the question to help you know if you in your circle are denying the power of God. So what is it the power of God can do? If you're listening, say, I am. Number one, the power of God can turn a sinner into a son. Let me say that again. The power of God can turn a sinner... Into a son. See, the Apostle Paul, when he writes the first letter, says to Timothy, a true son in the faith. He says to him, in addressing him in the second letter, to Timothy, a beloved son. He says in the second letter, chapter 1, verse 5, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you that dwelt first of all in your grandmother Lois, and then in your mom Eunice, he said, I'm persuaded it is in you. He closes out his first letter in chapter 6 verse 11 by calling Timothy, But you, O man of God. Let me ask you something, men. Before you can become a man of God, you've got to become a son of God. Let me tell you something, ladies, before you can become a woman of God, you first of all got to become a daughter of God. I will continue to try to put out the fires of the lie that floats around in this world that we are all children of God. We were all created in the image of God, but in the garden, that image got wrecked. We got told out and we become children of the devil and if you want to argue you won't be arguing with me you can argue with John 6:44 because it tells us we are of our father the devil and so only according to John chapter 1 verse 12 only when we receive and believe do we have the right to be called what? Sons of God. See, what you need to understand is that when God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, that He might redeem us who were under the law, that we might receive what? The adoption of sons. So if you're here today and you've never been moved from a sinner, believed and received, born again, you don't have the right to be called a Son of God. And because none were seeking God, no not one, it's only by the power of God we can be moved from a sinner to a son. You got that? Don't you remember the days when you got moved from one thing to another? Come on, let me help you out. At the beginning of May 1988, I headed into that month, May of 1988, as a student. But when I moved out of May 1988, I moved from a student to a graduate, and I know that surprises some of you. On October 23rd, 1992... I was a fiancé to Miss Donna. But somewhere around 2 o'clock on October 24th, I remember I was moved from a fiancé to a husband. You remember days like that? On November 16th, I was still just a husband, but in the wee hours of November 17th, I moved from just a husband to a daddy. You remember days like that when you moved from one thing to another? I remember going to IFR in Oklahoma City in January of 2002. I went in as a finalist. But I come out as the champion. I remember that move. August 2003, I entered in the month, Miss Georgia, as a lay preacher. But when I come out of August 2003, I move from a lay person, a lay preacher, to a pastor. Do you remember the days when you moved from this to that? I remember when I was the remote. At our house. And I remember sometime along the way they got one of them little deals. And I'm no longer the remote. Do we remember days like this? But listen to me. The most precious day that I remember... It's one Tuesday morning, February 13th. I pulled out of my driveway in an old Mack truck. And when I pulled out, Miss Terry, I was a sinner. When I was driving, somebody touched me. When I was driving, somebody touched me. When I was driving, somebody touched me. Must have been the hand of the Lord. And when He did, He turned this sinner into a son of Almighty God. As I was driving, somebody touched me. As I was driving, somebody touched me. As I was driving, somebody touched me. Must have been the hand of the Lord. And this morning I'm singing, glory, glory, glory. Somebody touched me. Glory, glory, glory. Somebody touched me. Glory, glory, glory. Somebody touched me. Must have been the hand of the Lord. Thank God. One Tuesday morning, the power of God turned this sinner into a son. Do you remember that day? I hope you do, and if you don't, guess what? He's here today, and he still has the power to turn a sinner into a son. But see, I want you to listen to me. Too many times in the church, we let the power of God turn us in. From a sinner to a son, and then we're done. Sitting and satisfied. And that's far from what the Bible teaches us. And I think there's many that's had that experience. And if you draw the circle around yourself today, you'll figure out you are denying the power of God. If that's where it stopped. See, because as it progresses, brother James, it not only turns you from a sinner into a son, it turns you from a son to a student. See, once you become a son, then you become a student. Paul says to Timothy, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. See, the problem in the church is we deny the power of God because we don't become students of His Word. And we've often talked about when we're to grow by the milk of God's Word. Come on, we've heard it illustrated time and time and time again how if you only ate one day a week and somebody spoon-fed you, it wouldn't be long and you'd be dead. Right? Well then why do we think spiritually we can be turned from a sinner into a son, we can be born again, and we show up at church one day a week for the preacher to spoon feed us and never open the, the Bible again, never put anything on the plate spiritually again, then what makes us think we can live spiritually? Come on folks. We hear that often, but this morning when I was going over this and figured out this was what I was going to preach, I began to think, well, look here. What would happen if we sent our kids to school? They went one day a week. They opened their textbook one day. They went home, and that's what school was about. One day a week. Open the text, let the teacher preach. Let me back up one hour, one day, one week. Huh? What would happen? Miss Trudy said it'd be bad. I'll tell you what we'd be. We'd be dumb and we'd be ignorant. We'd live in a place where math, we couldn't add, we couldn't subtract, we wouldn't know what We'd live in a place where we couldn't spell, we couldn't read, we couldn't write. Wouldn't we? Well, let me just tell you where most people are at. Are you denying the power of God? Let me tell you where you're at. You're dumb and you're ignorant as a student of God. He wants to let the power of God work in your life. And it's not bad to be ignorant. It's bad to stay ignorant. So some of you today, you're convicted. Man, that's me. That's me. Hey, guess what? The bad thing is staying there. Decide today, I'm not going to stay there. Because the power of God's going to move me from a son to a student. I'm going to read to you an alarming verse, or it should be. Especially parents to young kids. Hosea four, six says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge. I also will reject you from being priest for me. And some of you scoot up and say, well, I'm, I, I i never wanted to be a preacher. I never wanted to be a priest. Let me remind you what Peter said. Every one of us are to be priest. And then it says, because you have forgotten the law of your God, I mean, you've just left it sitting on the table. You've not looked into it. You've not let the power of God through the power of the Scriptures do anything for you. He says, because you have forgotten the law of your God. Here's the alarming part, parents. Here's the alarming part, parents, to young kids. I also will forget your children. i got a question for all you parents. How come it is that you will teach your kids to play the sport you love? How come it is you'll teach your kids to ride, to rope, to run? But you don't teach your kids, thus saith the Word of God. And I'm just going to come up with an answer, say you don't teach your kids, thus saith the Word of God, is because you don't know the Word of God. What was them, what was them, what was them, now what was me? You are denying the power of God if you stop at letting it turn you from a sinner into a son and be done. You need to let it turn you from a son into a student. And you need to study the word of God to show yourself approved to God. And you need to teach it to your children. Amen. I know we're ignorant when it comes to the Word of God because sometimes you can talk about the epistles and somebody will say, is that the wives of the apostles? (laughs) Folks, I think it's high time. We let the power of God move us from sinners to sons, from sons to students. But then it shouldn't stop there. The power of God should move us from students to servants. Now, Paul, he had his son in the faith. Paul had him someone he was discipling. It was a Timothy. It was a Titus. And and he he knew that he had got saved. And, and he knew that he had that genuine faith in him. And he's telling him to study the Word, a worker that, that don't need to be ashamed. Show yourself approved to God. But what gets me is Paul never let him realize... It stopped at a student. He said, you've got to be a servant. See, Timothy was with Paul, and when he addressed the church at Philippi, it says, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, the power of God had moved Timothy from a sinner to a son, from a son to a student, and now from a student to a servant. And we need to understand, last week, God's trying to say something, and find your niche, and then comes right back, let Him move you from a student to a servant. See, in our 12 and 23 group, and let me just be clear, because when I asked some to be in the 23 group, they said, now we've heard you mention it, what is it? The 12, it started in 20, 21, 22, 23. So I'm on my 37 through 48th guys that I disciple. And what it is, is I send them an email five days a week and they are my Timothys, they are my Tituses, and I send them emails. And we started out this year answering the call, and we should always be answering the call. Number one, answer the call of salvation. We went over that. Number two, answering the call of separation. Get the sin out of our life. And now we are entered in and right smack dab in the middle of answering the call of sanctification. And their homework in the midst of that was go read 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. Go read Romans 12. And we'll see that we're to be set aside for God's use only. And one of the days I said, read that and give me some input. Now, I don't want everybody to look back there, but Ollie. He's sitting right back there. Don't you look. Ali is the first German to go through twelve and twenty-three, twelve in any group. And I almost thought, man, how I met Ali and Stephanie is I'd done their wedding, and because he come from Germany, I had to learn to speak fluently the German language because they wanted their vows done in German. I didn't do that, did Ali? Thank God. I just had to make sure he knew how to say I do in English. But I was a little bit concerned. Ollie got saved, born again. He understood the power of God turning him from a sinner into a son. Amen. Amen. Baptized him right over there. And now he's in the 12 and 23 group and, and, and some of the other 12 and 23 years is in here right now. Aren't you glad when he responds and he responds almost every day. The first time he responded, I seen it was Ollie. I thought, boy, I hope he done it in English and not German. <laughs> and he does. And he did. But we're on this thing called service in answering the call of sanctification. And let me just... Read to you what Ali's reply was on serving. How big or small does not matter. That's his response. And then he put this perhaps you've heard it. For the want of a nail, the shoe was lost. For the want of a shoe, the horse was lost. For a want of the horse, the rider was lost. For the want of a rider, the battle was lost. And for the want of the battle, the kingdom was lost. All for the want of a horseshoe nail. Folks, if you think your service is too small, you're wrong. And because of people thinking that, we are watching churches dry on the vine. Because people think their service is too small in the church. Folks, the gates of hell should not prevail against the church that Jesus Christ died for. And the way that it won't prevail against the church that Jesus Christ died for is for you to realize there's no job too big, too small, and it takes us all. And let me tell you where I was at yesterday. Got to preach Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Preachers love to preach. Mays County Fairground. Got to, pe- got to preach to the pig people on Thursday, the sheep and goat people on Friday, and the cow people on Saturday. But on my way, I began to think about the difference between the snow and ice, just between Telequo, where I live, Moody, and here, and the big difference, I realized, Friday, is when I went to Tulsa, they had hardly none. And I began to think about how thick the snow was here. David cleared that off, but it was thicker at Telequal and how some of those shaded areas, it wasn't cleared off. And when I need something done at Telequal service, I've got a bad habit of hitting that button on the side of my phone and saying, call Rusty. Rusty's just been a go-to guy. Talking about Rusty Gardner. And on my way to preach yesterday morning, I began to think about that snow and that ice and those sidewalks and, the, and the, the, the porches in front of the nursery building, the porches in front of the kids' building. And I began to think about them. And so I hit that button. I said, call Rusty. And as soon as it started ringing, I just hit end. And the reason I hit end is, is I began to think where we was at in our 12 and 23 group. We'd been on service. So I, I, I ended the call to Rusty and I sent out an email to the 12 and 23 group to say, hey, if some of you Telequal guys could get loose today, our sidewalks need to be cleaned before morning services. Now, I appreciate the response. One guy said, I'm building a chicken coop, but when are you going to do it? I can come. I want Timmy Ross, I get off at 7. If it's not done, let me know. I'm thinking, God, my bedtime 6.45. Code a bunch, responded, I'm on my way to Tulsa. But then I watched those texts. It, it had changed from an email to text then, headed that way now. Another one said, I'll be there. Now, I want everybody to look up here. God, forgive us and help us learn something today. Quit calling on the same guy. Who's moved on to teaching a Sunday school class? Help us when we mentor a group of men, when there's opportunity to serve, even if it's simple as a horseshoe nail to get the sidewalks clean. Give them the opportunity to serve. I got a text from Rusty on the way over here, but it said audio text. And it just it was just this little line. My first experience with this, I look at it, I try to read what the line said and I thought this is some kind of musician text, I I don't know. And so finally I talk text and I said, I don't know what this means. I don't know how to read this. Rusty sends back, punch the play button. (laughs) Did you guys know about this? Let me in on this stuff. I hit that and Rusty starts talking. He went on the phone. He recorded that for me. And he said, man, the message to me really spoke today. The message really spoke to me today. He said, sometimes I think I'm lazy when I want to ask other people to do things. And he said, but you revealed to me today that we need to be handing off things now, here's how I responded to that text. Here's what I'm learning about the ministry. Are you listening to this? I've never read this nowhere. This just come to my little old brain. That's scary. I said replacing ourselves and replacing others with ourselves is what the ministry is all about. Get a hold of that. That's an original Rob Pierce statement as of now but since there's nothing new under the sun, I'm sure I'll read next week where somebody said that. Replacing ourselves and replacing others with ourselves is what the ministry is really about. You should always be replacing yourself in your area of service and looking for another place that you can replace somebody else with yourself. That's what the ministry is really all about. And if you're not doing that, moving from a student into service, then you're denying the power of God. And all God's people ought to be saying. And let me just say from service, it ain't just what you do inside here on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Serving the Lord happens out there. Invite, pray with. That's serving the Lord. And then, are you denying the power of God? Has it moved you from a sinner to a son, from a son to a student, from a student to a servant? But past that, has it moved you from a servant to a saint? Now, in the church, we've got a problem. And I call it a problem with false humility. Not a problem with real humility. False humility. Because I hear it all the time. I'm just a sinner. Saved by grace. And I can just see this pride in the midst of a false humility. Right? Because you think, if well, I can't call myself a saint. Well, hang on just a second. When Paul would write a letter to the church, he would say, to the saints in Philippi, to the saints in Corinth. He never addressed one to give him some, you sinners saved by grace. He called them what they was because they was that by the power of God. See, the power of God is what makes us a saint. He told Timothy, he said, listen, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. He said to him, but you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. What was he telling Timothy? Be an example in your life. Don't just walk around messing up and say, Ah, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Go ahead and let the power of God work in your life and make you what you're called to be, and that's a saint of God. See, our conduct, the things that we say, the things that we do, He wants us to clean that up. And the power of God is what's going to clean you up. And aren't we clay in the potter's hand? So that's kind of like God's the artist and we're the canvas. God's the artist and we're the wood. He's the one carving and we're the wood. And I've shared that story with you before, that, that a, an artist carved this beautiful sculpture of a horse out of wood. And people was just, they was dropping their jaws in awe of how beautiful it was, and one looked at the artist and said, it's amazing, I don't know how you've done it. And he said, really, it's simple. I just took a block of wood, and I just began to chip everything away and take everything off of that piece of wood that didn't look like a horse. You know what God wants to do to you? He wants to take you just an old piece of wood, and He wants to chip away everything That don't look like Christ. That's the power of God. To turn you from a servant into a saint. But then I'm through with my last point. Are you denying the power of God? If you've not let him turn you into from a sinner into a son, you are. And if you hadn't let him turn you from a son into a student, you are. And if you hadn't let him turn you from a student into a servant, you are. And if you hadn't let him turn you from a servant into a saint, guess what? You're denying the power of God. But if you're not letting him turn you from a saint into a soldier, you're denying the power of God, because Paul told Timothy. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies that previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage a good warfare. Then he told him, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you something. Are you a soldier of the cross? How many times has this preacher and other preachers told you that your Christian life is not played out on the playground? Your Christian life is fought out. On the battleground. Which means every day you get up, you're in a battle. Every day you get up, you're a soldier wagering warfare. You understand that? And I'm just telling you, if you're not a soldier of the cross, you're denying the power of God. So some of you perhaps saw the Riding with Rob, but let me go a little deeper than I can than a Riding with Rob. Thursday morning, I'm going to preach at Mace County Fairground. The roads are still slick. I think I leave early enough, but when I round the corner just west of Wayne and Jennifer's, there was a car off in the trees with a tree laying over the hood and over the cab. And there was standing in the middle of the road what looked like a late teens, early twenties young lady. Now, immediately when I saw the tree over her car, it off in the ditch, in the fence, immediately when I saw her standing in the road, I knew I needed to help, but immediately I looked at the clock. Supposed to be there to preach at 845. But immediately I thought of the, the scriptures that talk about the good Samaritan. And I think, I can't pass her by. I look at the clock. I look at her. I can't not stop. But when I come to stop, boy, she was doing so much better than I'd be doing if that was my car. When I come to stop, she's standing right in the middle of that road with a big old grin on her face. And I'm thinking, I'm not sure I'd have that grin. That'd be my car. But she's grinning, and I said, are you okay? She said, yep, I got cell phone service, so I've done made the calls. And I said, cell phone service is kind of scarce out here. She said, yeah. About that time, her mom rounded the corner. She said, that's my mom. And she said, my dad's on his way. So, sir, I'm doing fine. All of about 30 seconds is what that took. And I thought, well, maybe God's just checking to see if I'd take the time. Okay? Okay. But then the story gets better or it gets worse. You choose. So I'm going to leave there, and I pull my truck down into gear. And when I let off on the clutch, kapow! I'm in four-wheel drive, and it begins to rattle. I reach down, take it out of four-wheel drive, and it stops rattling. So I'm thinking, I've just lost a U-joint out of my front drive line. I get out and I look under my truck and that little short drive line that goes from the transfer case to the front rear end of a four-wheel drive, it's hanging down. It's come loose from the front rear end. As long as I'm not in four-wheel drive, it's not turning. Are you with me? Now, when I seen that, let me tell you what I immediately thought. I need to call Emily. That's who's over the livestock show. And I need to call her and tell her, I guess I just won't be there today. But before I ever picked up my phone, I was reminded of my very own preaching when I preached to you. Our Christian life ain't played out on a playground. And I realized if a soldier tore the drive line out of a Hummer, the fight's still on. Figure out how to Fight. So I just began to drive and hope and pray that that drive line didn't hit the pavement. I called Miss Emily and I said, "Lost a drive line, been a car off in the ditch. I'm going to be 15 minutes late." She said, "We have to start at 9:30." I said, "I can shorten the message. I'll be there." I made the phone call to my dad, and I pulled in and swapped trucks. Are you with me? And it all started because I realized I'm in a battle. There's people over at their fairgrounds it's the enemy's holding captive. They're lost and they're hell bound. And if I will look at every day of my life that I'm in a battle and when the drive line falls out and when a feller soldier's in the ditch, that don't mean we stop fighting. We're still a soldier and we've got to be to where the battle's at and we've got to do our part in the fight. How many times do we deny the power of God when something little goes wrong? it causes us not to be where we're supposed to be as soldiers, meaning we're not fighting the battle where God called us to fight. It may be amazing to you how you could get over some obstacles if you had the mindset, I'm a soldier. I'm in a battle. And the enemy's got the captives. And it's our job to set them free with us, saith the word of God. When I was walking out, I called Trenton because I remembered him posting this on our twelve and, uh, uh, one of our 12 groups, and he sent it to me. Here needs to be your mindset. Are you denying the power of God? This comes from a soldier. If I can't shoot, I'll load. If I can't load, I'll carry ammo. If I can't carry ammo, I'll help the wounded. If I can't help the wounded, I'll give blood. If I can't give blood, I'm probably dead. Strip my body of what's needed and keep on fighting. Folks, that's the mentality the church needs. And we can have that in our lives. We can have that in the church one way. You know how? To not deny the power of God. Don't just profess to know God. Know God and know Him in His power. Let's all stand. We stand and our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Did you realize when you got up this morning you was in a battle? And so many times we raise the white flag. So many times the battle's lost because we don't even realize we're in a war. These altars are open today. Some of you need the power of God to be a soldier. Altars are open. But then some of you, there's some things in your life that don't look like Christ. And it's only by the power of God that those things can be chipped away at. And so if there's something that needs to be done away with in your life, some kind of sin that you're committing, some kind of job that you're supposed to be doing, altars are open. You need God to chip away something that don't look like Jesus. Man, you need to serve. There's no job too big, too little. Let's don't lose the kingdom all for the want of a horseshoe nail. Let's don't lose the battle and the kingdom for thinking a job's too small. You used to serve, but you're no longer serving. Maybe you've never served, but today you know you're supposed to serve. Altars are open. Look here, God's saying I need you to be a student. Maybe you used to read the Word of God. Maybe you've never read the Word of God. But today you realize it's now and I need the power of God to be a student of the Word of God. But if you're here today and you've never been saved, let me tell you, the power of God can turn you from a sinner into a son. I was standing and somebody touched me. I was standing on a Sunday at ESEBC prior campus and somebody touched me. I was standing during the invitation on the first Sunday in February and somebody touched me. It must have been the hand of the Lord. Is the Lord touching you? To become a son from a sinner? To be a student from a son, to be a servant from a student, to be a saint from a servant, or to be a soldier from a saint. Altars are open.